0: Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you so much, Pastor Jesse. I am not planning on bleeding for Christ this morning, I I will be honest, but I admire the worship leader who did. Um, It's a privilege to be with you guys. I'm excited. I can feel the Holy Spirit. It's a mixture of feeling the Holy Spirit and having way too much coffee too early. I will be honest. I'm trying to discern which one it is. I was sitting there shaking and I was like, i got to stop the quad shot (laughs) lattes. Quick. It's not ideal for preaching on two quad shot lattes. That's eight shots before 10 a.m. if you're keeping count. But who's keeping count? Um, It's a privilege to be with you guys. I really... um, Love your church, to be honest. This feels like a family picnic out here. I actually really love it. Honestly, it it just feels so cool to be with you guys. I was trapped in Germany in a house for three months alone because that's where I live right now. So it's just cool to be around people again. And I'm an introvert, so that's saying a lot. That I'm excited (laughs) to see you guys this morning. That's saying something because I was happy for three months alone. Um, Any introverts in the place? Yep. You know what I'm saying. Quarantine was a blessing sent from God to me. All the extroverts are not happy right now. But I just want to say I love and honor all your leaders up here. They're incredible. Thank you guys for having me. I love connecting with Pastor Micah and obviously Pastor Jesse. We've known each other for a while, but thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be with you guys, and I'm excited. I do want to, before I go into a message, because I believe I have a word from God for today. If not for you, it's for me. I'm going to be preaching to myself today. I love that the most when I take something out of my secret place and I'm like, I'm going to encourage myself and hopefully some other people can be encouraged along the way. But either way, I'm leaving encouraged today. Um, But before we get to that, last night I was speaking at a church in Yerba Linda and I don't know about you, but I don't, whenever I go into a church service, I'm expecting for the Holy Spirit to move. I don't have to ask God if he wants to heal. I just have to read my Bible and I know that he wants to. I don't believe that we ask God, if it's your will, will you heal the sick? Because we already know His will. His perfect will is to always heal the sick. Last night, there was a woman who drove three and a half hours to the service. I mean, that's how good I am at preaching. People drive now. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know why she came three and a half hours, but she came. And uh, she had had ringing in her ears for three and a half years, and Jesus healed her in a moment. It's incredible. One of my favorite things is I didn't pray for her. It was somebody in the crowd, which that is what Christianity is. Every one of us can heal the sick. Every single person that came to Jesus received healing. And I just want to hit on this quickly, and then we're going to pray for each other, and then we're going to get it into the message. But it would be a completely different story if I said everybody, Jesus, went to received healing. That's not what happened. Everybody that came to Him, there's a big difference. Because if it was everybody that he went to, it would imply to you and I today that he was picking and choosing who was deserving of a miracle. If he was picking, it would be, You've earned your miracle. It's your time for your healing. Here it is. But that's not the case of what you see in the Gospels. Anyone that was hungry enough to come into his presence received their miracle. Some things Jesus never said You haven't earned your miracle. Here's another one he never said. You haven't learned your lesson yet. If God gives sickness, then Jesus was destroying the works of the Father on earth. Some of you missed that, and that was pretty good. If, I brought my own encouragement. I've learned. I preach to youth groups. I bring my own encouragement everywhere I go. If you if you even get a partial amen under your breath in a youth group, you killed the sermon. That's revival in a youth group. Amen. I'm like, "God, you moved." You got an amen. But if God gives sickness, Jesus was destroying the works of the father on earth. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus didn't go looking for her. Jesus wasn't on a search for the woman with the issue of blood. He wasn't trying to find her. She wasn't on His path. She went looking for Him. She came into the contact with the hem of His garment while He was walking away from her. And then she received her healing. If God had given her sickness, God would have said, Jesus, you ruined the works that I was doing. I'm trying to teach her a lesson and you healed her. A house divided cannot stand. If I told you I have kids, I don't have kids. I plan on getting married first. I'm a pastor. you know. <laughs> if I had a kid and I said to you, hey, when my kid misbehaves, I break his arm to teach you a lesson. And I said to you, I'm a good father all the time. It wouldn't happen. All the time, you a good father. You would never say that, but we say God's good all the time, but then we think that he breaks our arms to teach us a lesson. I offended too many of you for so early in the sermon. Normally I wait to start offending at least till halfway because we can warm up. But this morning I just felt to go out the gates. So we're going to pray for each other in a moment and we're going to pray amongst ourselves in the crowd. But we aren't going to ask God if it's his will to heal and we aren't going to ask him to heal the person next to you. Asking God to heal somebody is like, okay, I'll give you an example. If I said to Pastor Micah, here's my keys, go and move my car. It would be super weird if he walked up to my car and said, hey, bro, can you come and move your car? It would be super weird. Why? Because I've given him the authority and I've told him to do it. So it would be weird for him to ask me to do something I already asked him to do. We do the same thing with healing. God's like, heal the sick. We're like, God, will you please heal that person there? He's like, I told you to do it. One more last fact before we go into healing. Are you ready for one more fact? Healing the sick was God's idea. How I hear people pray, sometimes it's like we're trying to convince God of this new idea. Right? God, please, please. He's like, I've been telling you to do it for 2,000 years. It's not new to me. It's new to you. God wants you to pray for the person. You don't have to convince him. He's waiting for you to lay your hand on someone. There's that verse, I don't want to get into it because I've got another word. This is for free. This is for free. This is just the introduction. There's that passage in the Bible where a man comes to Jesus and says, can you heal my son or daughter? I can't remember. And he says, I'll come to your house. Do we know that story? And he replies by saying, I'm a man under authority. If I tell someone to go, they go. So just speak the word and my son will be healed. Jesus says, I haven't found faith like this before. And he speaks the word. The thing I love about that story is, That guy in the army, he doesn't say, I'm a man with people under me. He says, I'm a man under authority. So because he's submitted to a leader, when he tells someone to do something, they move. He's a man under authority. It's the same when you and I pray for the sick, we are under the authority of heaven. So when you pray for the sick, the whole of heaven backs you up. I think that's cool. Okay, so we're going to pray for each other now. If you have a stubbed toe or a chronicle illness, Jesus paid for it all. Chronic. I don't know what chronicle is. <laughs> caught, caught myself. I always joke about like, you know Oprah Winfrey show, like shows like everybody gets a car. It's like that with healing. Everybody gets a healing. It's a group discount. He paid for it all. Okay, so what we're going to do is if you need any healing in your body, this isn't going to take long. You don't have to beg or convince God. Ten seconds is more than enough. Get up and walk. That's shorter than ten seconds even. Silver or gold, I do not have to. It's like six or seven. So I'll give you longer than that just so you... Okay, stand up if you need a healing in your body. Sore knee, sore back, chronic, whatever it is, even if you've been prayed for before, just stand. Okay, here's what we're going to do. If you're standing, I want you to put your hand up. Okay, okay. People that are sitting down, I want you to find someone with their hand up right now. Ask them what's wrong and then put your hand on their shoulder or if it's appropriate, the body part. If it's not appropriate, go for the shoulder. The shoulder is always appropriate. Okay, so if you're sitting, find someone around you right now with their hand up. When somebody's with you, you can put your hand down. That's why our hands are up. When somebody's with you, put your hand down. Ask them what's wrong and then begin to pray with authority Not passive prayers. Speak to the issue. Okay, put your hand down when somebody's with you. There's some people up front here, some more up here. And then pray for them right now. Find somebody with their hand up. There's still a few other people. Complete healing right now in Jesus' name. I command all sickness or pain to leave right now. Every person's body be healed now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, I want you to stay with the person. But if you got prayer, if it's possible, I want you to test it out. We can't test everything, I know. But if you can test it, see if you can feel the difference in your body. If it's not 100% better, just pray one more time. Even Jesus prayed twice. Don't ask me why. I have no idea why. But he did. So just pray for them one more time. Jesus, we thank you for what you already did. We command healing to every person's body right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you by your stripes we are healed, that you already paid for it on the cross, that every healing's already been purchased by your blood. So we command healing right now in the name of Jesus. All back pain leave, every migraine leave, ankles be healed. In Jesus name, complete healing arthritis, leave in Jesus name. in Jesus name. Okay, you can wrap up your prayers. If you got prayer, I want you to test it out one more time. Give it a test. Thank you Jesus. Who can already feel a significant difference in their body? There we go. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. You too? You too? Wow. What did you get healed of? Um, my ear sounded like a blown speaker. I hear Okay. Now, I'm this, like Okay. Her, her, her ear sounded like a bro- broken speaker, and now she can hear properly. Okay. We'll keep believing for that. That's amazing. You can take your seats. Another one over there. What happened? We have pointing happening. More praying. Okay, thank you, Lord. That's so cool. We can never underestimate that a 10-second prayer from you can change somebody else's life. You just never get used to that. Like her ear sounded like a burst speaker, and now she's hearing out of it. That's just cool. And it only took 10 seconds of your time to change somebody else's reality. I don't know. That's pretty wild to me. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 11. I'm actually going to use the story of Lazarus today, but it's not anymore on healing. But John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses, then we're going to pray and get into it. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, John chapter 11, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick, therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, "Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He whom you love is sick." I wonder what we would write to God if we were trying to convince him to do a miracle for us. I love this verse so much because I feel when you are son or daughter of God, you know that it's His love that moves you. And often would have said, God, I'm the one who served you. I'm the one who let you stay at my house. Will you heal my brother? But he, these sisters knew Jesus and they knew, they said, the one you love is sick, not the one who loves you. See, they understood that what moves God's heart is not your love for him, but his love for you. How many of us would have said, would you come and heal my brother? I've been to church for many years. I've attended church. I've loved you. I've believed in you. And we would try to convince God to do a miracle for us based on what we've done for Him. But that's not what happens here. They know Jesus personally and they know what moves His heart is His unending love for us. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that He said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through Him. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He stayed two more days in the place. They they sent to Jesus saying, would you heal our brother? And God sends back, the God of the universe, Jesus himself sends back that your brother will be okay. Your brother won't die. He'll be fine. It's not unto death. And we're going to unpack this passage, but first, let's just take a moment and pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for the miracles that have taken place. We thank you for the greatest miracle of just knowing you, of being restored back to relationship with you, of salvation, of getting to meet the God of the universe. We ask that you'd have this your way this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd open the Scripture up to us, that you'd reveal Jesus to us through the Scripture this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you grew up in church? Quite a few, okay. There's a few, I was a pastor's kid, I am a pastor's kid. There's a few soul wounds that happen when you grow up in church. There's a few things you have to work through, especially being a pastor's kid. I remember one of the soul wounds that I'm still working through to this day, and it may bring tears to my eyes, is on a Sunday after church, one of the greatest troubles of the Christian life growing up is I remember vividly sitting in the car with my dad in the driver's seat, my sister beside me in the back seat, and the passenger seat open in front. And we were waiting for my mom. First, we send my sister. The car park's empty by this point already. The ushers are waiting to lock. Chanel, please go and get mom. She comes back. She says mom's wrapping up her conversation. Hope starts to fill the car. Because on a Sunday, we had a tradition. Some of you, it was Sunday lunch. For me, it was the best coffee shop in town. We would go and get cake and coffee, and I looked forward to it so much. My sister would come back with the report of mom's wrapping up her conversation. She'll be with us shortly. Fifteen minutes go by. Tears start to swell up in my eyes. I'm frustrated. Some of the teenagers in this room know where I'm at. Not in this room, but outside here. It doesn't get better for you guys. After that, we send my dad up. Last chance. Dad has to work. Dad comes back. Mom promises she's done soon. (laughs) Excitement once again fills 15 minutes later. Tears are swelling up. The ushers don't know what to do. They're flashing the lights inside. By this point, words don't avail anymore. I'm done trying words. I walk up the stairs. I look at the person she's talking to. I cut her off mid-recipe. I pull her by the arm and we begin to walk. I apologize to the person who was asking for the recipe. Say nothing to my mom. And I drag her by the arm and she turns and says, I'm sorry, I have to go. And to this day, it's hard for me to talk about because it still brings back those memories of my mom lingering at church. And to this day, one of the most frustrating things in my life, not a lot of things annoy me, but top of the list is a lingering person. When you want to go and that person will not stop chatting. I'm like, just say one general goodbye from the door and let's go. But some people don't do it. And as I read this passage and I came across the passage and I saw that Jesus stayed for two days, I said, Not my God. Not my Jesus. It can't be so. Some translations even use the word linger in that verse. I threw away that translation. Jesus can't linger. And I read this verse that he stayed two more days and I'm one of those people that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal the word to us. Some people tap out and they go, well, brother, you won't know until you get to heaven. I'm like, well, that's sad that I can't know God till I get to heaven. (laughs) I can't know the Holy Spirit till I get to heaven. That's a bummer. (laughs) I would rather him speak to me now. So I'm like, okay, God, we got a problem. This is mid-quarantine. So now I'm going on walks. I live in the middle of Germany, 600 people in my village, more sheep than people. So I'm walking through the sheep, a modern-day David. I'm there with the sheep. And this verse is frustrating me for weeks. I'm going on my daily walk, and I'm like, God, why did Jesus wait two days? I have to know why he waited two days. And it frustrated me so much. But let's keep reading in the story. Then he said to his disciples two days later, let's go to Judea. And the disciples said, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you where you are going. And then they keep talking for the sake of time. I'm not going to read it. And then in verse 16, Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with them. That's so interesting that they knew they were going to die where Jesus was going. So the place that he's called to go to raise Lazarus from the dead, the Jews want to kill Jesus. So these disciples are literally get to the place of like, okay, I'll go because I'm going to die with them. That's wild faith that they were willing to be with Jesus in that situation. I don't know about you, but I would rather be in an almost deadly situation with Jesus than in in a safe one without him. I almost feel like it's similar to what Moses said before going into the promised land where he said, God, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Because Moses understood that he would rather be in the desert with Jesus than in the promised land without him. These guys are like, yes, it's safe here, but I would rather be risking my life and with Jesus than being safe. And what they decide to do is they decide to go with Jesus. For a moment, I want to change our perspective. Think about Mary and Martha. I think sometimes we don't put ourselves in the position of the family. Think about the fact that Jesus himself said to you, your brother's going to be okay. You got word from the God of the universe. He's going to live, not just the God of the universe, but your friend. And moments or if not hours later, that promise is completely dead and Lazarus is literally dead. that's tough the weeping the crying the promise of God is dead in their life God promised he would live but he's dead I read this passage and that felt an awfully lot like 2020 to me that I had all these promises these words from God I thought the year was going to shape out one way and as I started walking into it God what happened where are you where are the promises that you promised me You gave me this word. You gave me these promises. I had excitement and my reality looks nothing like you promised me. Imagine those four days. That would be the longest four days of their lives. As they're waiting, they're crying because of their dead brother. Questioning Jesus. I'm sure they had to have questioned Jesus. Wouldn't you? I definitely would. He said that he was going to live. How do you not say, God, you promised he was going to live, but he's dead now. And my hope for today is that we change our perspective as we learn from the story. Because I want us to leave today and change our perspective for 2020. We need to be thankful for 2020. I'm not here to say, hey, 2020, it was a terrible year, it's going to get better. I don't know if it's getting better this year. I hope and pray it does. But I'm thankful for 2020 and as we get into the Scripture more and we work towards the end of this time, I hope that the same thing happens to you. So what happens next? These people then come to Jesus. Well, Jesus comes to them. He travels and by the time He gets to the family and Mary and Martha are crying with the Jews that wanted to kill Jesus, they're crying together. By the time He gets there, it's been four days, the Scripture says. Four days, so it was a two-day journey. So I started looking into that two-day journey. He waited two days. He traveled for two days. Where did he go in those two days? What did he do on those two days? And as you look in, I'm opening my notebook, even though there's barely anything in there. It just makes people feel more comfortable if you have a notebook. But as he's on this two-day journey, when you look into Scripture, you see on the two-day journey, two miracles take place, which is recorded in Luke, the end of Luke 18 and the beginning of Luke 19, which those two miracles are the miracle where Jesus opens a blind man's eyes and he stays with at Zacchaeus' house. Those miracles happen on the journey if you look chronologically at how the miracles take place. So now you have to put yourself in the perspective that not only is Jesus delaying to come to you and your miracle hasn't happened and you feel like God lied to you, but now you hear word that he's staying with one of the worst people in town. He's he's having a sleepover at Zacchaeus' house. Okay, a Christian maybe, a lover of Jesus maybe, but Zacchaeus, tax collector, one of the worst people, and he's chilling with Zacchaeus? And you've served him, you've made food for him, and he heals some blind guy that he's never even met before? How many of us stayed in 2020 and it almost frustrated us that God was moving in other people's lives? God, there's that miracle there, but what about me? Other people are getting these great jobs, or they have Bitcoin. God, look at their stocks, but I'm struggling financially. God, how come they have Bitcoin, but I can barely pay the bills? You promised me upgrades this year. You promised me 2020 vision this year. God gave you 2020 vision. It just wasn't how you thought it was going to be. You know why I'm thankful for 2020? When storms roll through a town, storms don't cause weak foundations. They expose them. I'm thankful that 2020 exposed some weaknesses in my foundation. When I start not being able to travel, I normally travel 220 days or more a year. When COVID hits and I can't travel, and suddenly I'm like, God, how are you going to provide for me? And I start to worry. God doesn't say, it's okay, you're worrying, it's the storm. He pokes at it and He says, hey, the whole time you were trusting what you were doing instead of trusting me for finances. It exposes a weakness that was already in my life. But what we can do is blame the storm. It's the storm's fault. When God's like, actually, no, just trust me again. Oh, Let's be thankful for 2020. Because he exposed things in our lives. So what happens next? Jesus shows up four days later. Four days, Mary and Martha weeping. They run out to meet him. Still weeping. One of my favorite verses, and people love this verse, verse 35. So Jesus starts weeping when he sees, it says Jesus wept. People love it. Here's a little trivia fact for you. Shortest verse in the Bible. If you've never heard that before, you need to watch more sermons because every preacher and their dog says that, that statement. Jesus wept, shortest verse in the whole Bible. 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. One of the things I love about our Jesus, and I feel this from the Lord, I was on a run the other day, Huntington Beach Pier, that's why I can't, yesterday, that's why I kind of look rosy. I did six miles. I'm sure you all do, no problem. Um, I don't want to flex on you or anything, but eight minute miles, but it's okay, no big deal. Um, While I was on my run, And I'm thinking about this scripture and the Lord revealed to me and I love the fact because I feel that so many of us are almost discouraged and you think God's disappointed at how you reacted to 2020. But look at what Jesus does. He doesn't come in and say, I promised he would live. Why are you crying? How could you not have faith? That's not the response of our God. Our God meets them where they're at with tears in his eyes. God is not angry with you. He's not disappointed with you or ashamed at how you handled last year. He meets you where you're at. He meets you with compassion and tears in His eyes because He sees the pain and He sees the struggles that you went through. Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. I love that Jesus cries instead of rebuking them because He could have easily rebuked them. I told you He would live. Why are you crying? But that's not His response. And I felt like God wanted to lift the burden of shame off of some of you who have been ashamed in yourself and you've been putting shame and condemnation on yourself for how you handled last year that's not how God views 2020 for you and what happens next he walks in and spoiler alert he raises Lazarus from the dead Lazarus comes back from the dead which is a crazy story and I read it and I loved it but the question still is there of why did he wait two days I'm like holy spirit I love the story but I've got an issue verse 7 is my issue for weeks, I'm walking with God. I love meditating on Scripture. I'm walking with God. Why two days? Holy Spirit, I'm not stopping till I was about to give up two weeks and I was about to go. Well, I have to wait till I get to heaven. I was almost there. And finally, out of frustration, I moved on. I was like, I'm going to keep reading. That's it. I don't know. Maybe sometime in the future, God will reveal it to me of why Jesus waited two days. And as I'm reading John chapter 12, verse 9, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. I read that and it finally clicked in my mind. That they were asking for a miracle that affected their family and they would have seen Lazarus healed or raised from the dead. But God had something much bigger in store for them. God's answer saw a city of Jews meet Jesus. That's why he waited two days, because he had something better in store than what they asked for. When God doesn't answer your prayers, it's time to trust that he has a better answer than what you asked for. When I saw that, I was so happy. When God doesn't answer your prayers how you asked, be thankful because he's got something better for you. See, because if God had answered their prayers, yes, Lazarus would have been born again, but a city wouldn't have met Jesus. And while I'm on my run yesterday, the Holy Spirit said to me, prayer, answers to prayers are coming that affect more than just families. They, commit, they affect people's communities. God's going to give you breakthroughs that are bigger than just you. Some of you are praying for finances. God's like, I want to give you business ideas that change your neighborhoods. Let's dream bigger. When God doesn't answer your prayers, trust He has more than you asked for. I bet you Lazarus and Mary and Martha, looking back, are thankful that He was dead for four days. Now, I'm not saying it was easy in the moment, but I'm saying let's look from a perspective now, looking back. Like, they would be thankful afterwards, right? Because the Jews that sought to kill Jesus are now saved by their testimony. So I wonder if we look back now at our four days, 2020, and we can change our perspective and be thankful for that. And what I love about the story is that we want Jesus to come and change cities, but on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were saved. He woke Lazarus up and Lazarus is the one that led the Jews to Jesus. I wonder how many of us needed to be woken up in 2020. How many of us had to be awoken up from, from nominal Christianity in 2020? God's awaking us to something. God wants to bring a move of, of God. And I 100% believe that. And yes, the Jesus people movement, and all that stuff's happening. I'm going to make a statement and I ask that you don't leave. Do we have a deal? You promise you won't leave? Give me a few minutes, okay? God doesn't send Revival. You promised. Stay in your seat. See, I grew up in the church, right? So I've heard about revival all my life. Charismatic church, amazing church, similar to this. Amazing church. And as I'm sort of walking with the Lord, I'm reading in the book of Acts and everything that we call revival, I see the fingerprints of revival right throughout the book of Acts, right? Healing the sick, prophesying, demons coming out, families being restored, people saved, governments being changed. Revival falls somewhere in there generally. And as I'm reading the book of Acts, I can't find the word revival in there, which is fine. I see the fingerprints, but I can't see the word. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, what you call revival, the early church called Christianity. Good word. What you call revival, the early church called Christianity. I went, wow. Because what did they have access to that we don't have access to? God can't send more than himself. We ask him to send revival. He's like, I already gave myself. I can't give anything more. God can do all things except give more than himself. That's not a scripture. That's my statement. Because in him and through him all things consist. So he is in everything. So when we ask him to send something that's He's like, I've already given myself. I, can't, I literally can't give anything more. I don't, God doesn't send revival. He sends His Spirit and we become revival. I hope you're glad you didn't leave. So we need the Holy Spirit to come and touch us, yes. But when He touches us, it's on us to go and see revival. It's on us to make a move. It's on us to go to the Jews. On account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were saved. I wonder if God can use 2020 to wake us up, to then go out and see revival through our personal lives, because God wants to use you. And I pray that our perspective for 2020 would shift, because I believe God built things in your life and matured you in 2020 that would have taken years outside of 2020. I look at those areas of my life that I grew in, and I'm like, that would have taken years outside of 2020. Years are matured and because of hard times. Perseverance creates character. I don't know how many of you had to persevere in 2020, but I did. And the more you persevere, the more character it creates in you. Romans 8.28 says, God makes all things work together to those who are called according to His purpose. If you're struggling for hope in the season, let that verse become a foundation for you. Romans 8.28, He works all things together for your good. That's a wild promise that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, it doesn't matter how bad it is, He'll turn it for our good. That means He didn't kill Lazarus, but He'll make it work together for Lazarus' good. He didn't send COVID, but He will make it work together for your good. All things. So no matter how bad things get, I go, thank you, God, because something's coming. The worse it gets, the more He can turn it around. When the enemy attacks me, I get excited. Because I know God's going to turn it around for my good. So I wonder how you've been attacked in 2020. Let's change our perspectives and be like, no matter what happened, God's going to turn it around for my good. I want us to be hopeful for this year and again. Not hopeful because I'm promising everything's going to get better, but hopeful because he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. When times like this happen and we go through hard times, that's our time to shine. If a hurricane ravaged through a town and there was a few houses left standing and every other house was torn to the ground and five or six houses were left standing, people would come around saying, why is your house still standing? Who built your house? Oh, the person who built my house? The person who built my foundation? My foundation is Jesus. That's why my house is still standing. We should be thankful for the storm. Because we're the only ones that have real peace, so while the world falls apart and realizes their foundations are on sand, and we built on the rock and still standing, we should be so thankful because we get to finally stand. Christianity was birthed in one of the hardest times in history, and we call to thrive in hard times. This is our time to thrive. Because people all around you are broken, hurting, lacking peace, and those temporary things, those sand castles they were building on the beach, are now being destroyed by storms. And they're hurting and looking for peace, and you, the one that has it. The sand castles are getting destroyed right now by the waves. But thank God we didn't build sand castles. Can you feel hope coming back? I want to restore hope that yes, the four days was tough, but something's coming, which is much better. And I feel as we go into the ending, maybe we can sing that Burden into Miracles song that you guys were singing. What was that? Something about burdens and miracles. I I suck at remembering songs, but I felt like that was prophetic, right? He turns our burdens into miracles. And as we go back into this, I'm going to end right now with a prayer, but I want us... Sometimes in churches where I grew up in church, Lord, we want an encounter with God, which I'm all about encounters with God. But I wonder if today it can simply just be us changing our perspective. Yes, we're going to pray. Yes, we're going to sing the song. And I pray as we sing this song, you would ask God to change your perspective. That yes, things were hard, but He can turn those burdens into miracles. Where you've been discouraged. Maybe you didn't get that job you believed in, but God did something in your family He couldn't have done if you got the job. Maybe a greater job is coming. That we would trust Romans 8.28. I want to read it to us one more time before we read it, before we worship. I'm sure many of you know this verse, but sometimes that's one of the hard things is when we know verses. When we know the word, but it's not really truth to us. What if whenever something went wrong in your life, you got excited? Because that's what knowing this verse would look like. That's not unreasonable faith. The renewed mind gets excited when something goes wrong. The renewed mind gets excited when something goes wrong. Let these words sink in right now as a promise from God. This isn't just words on a page. It's a promise from God to you. And we know that all things... Work together for the good of those who love God. We know that all things, not some things, every single thing, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You love God and you're called according to His purpose. So He promises all things will work out for your good. So the things the enemy stole and the hard times you went through, He's turning it around. Let's change our perspective. 2020 is going to be an amazing year. You're going to thrive this year. God's going to build things in you this year. You're going to see revival this year. Because he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. Can we stand right now? I just want to pray, and then we're going to go into that song. And allow the Holy Spirit to change your perspective. Draw a line in the sand today and say, I'm not complaining anymore about 2020. I'm thankful for 2020. Yes, it was hard. Yes, I cried. Yes, there was tough times and Jesus meets you there. But now looking back, we can be thankful for it because we know when he doesn't answer our prayers, he's got something better in store for us. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Lo- Begin to change our perspective of what you did in 2020 in our lives. Show us the things you were building in our lives. Show us the areas that we grew in, Father, We thank you for 2021, God, that that you're raising us to life, Father, that you woke us up this year. That as we go into the world, we're going to be like Lazarus, that many of the Jews came to know Jesus. We ask that through our lives, many people would come to know you, Father. That we would bring revival, that as we take your spirit into our workplaces, into our schools, that you go with us. Have your way in our lives, Holy Spirit. We thank you for this year.